Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. You know, we're talking about what I think is just such an uplifting uh, subject, imperfect people with perfect lives. You know something? You can make a mess out of your life. And, you know, some people will make a mess out of their life, and all they're interested in is, can I get by with it? Can I keep God from killing me? You know, some crazy nonsense like that. But you know something? There's genuine godly people that make mistakes, make bad decisions, have failures in their life. And they're not wanting to just get by with it. They're wanting to get their heart healed. They're wanting to get up and reconnect their relationship with God. They're wanting to still live their destiny. They want to fulfill their call. And I've got news for you. In this incredible news series, I have imperfect people, perfect lives. You will discover the secrets of the people that God used mightily that I'm telling you, they made some drastic mistakes. Some of them committed horrible sins. Some of them had bad theology. Some of them had pride issues. Some of them just used a lot uh, of, of bad uh knowledge, if you are a lack of wisdom, and ended up doing things that could have destroyed their destiny, could have destroyed their call. But I got news for you. God's never finished with you. And, and the only way you can, you can end God working with you, helping you is just refuse to get up, just refuse to trust him, just refuse to accept the goodness and the love that he has. Listen, today we're talking about connecting to the heart of God because that is the ultimate of what happens with people who always survive. These are people that are after God's heart. You know, one of the reasons it's so important that we understand these heart factors is because uh, uh, relationships, true love relationships are always built around a heart to heart connection. And you know, in this, in this series, I talk about David and go into a lot of detail about David. We probably won't be able to do this, uh, in the weekly cyber church be- just because of the lack of time. But I'll tell you that David was a man after God's own heart. As a matter of fact, that's why he was selected as king of Israel. You know, Samuel the prophet, uh, uh, sent out to the house of Jesse, which is David's father to pick out a king. And man, he's got all these guys that look like kings are big, they're muscular, they're strong. And he, he's about ready to pick the wrong guy. And God speaks to him and says, no, 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 no. I don't look on the, on the outside. You know, I look on the heart. And I'll tell you, I'll never forget reading that uh, about 45 years ago and realizing God is a heart God. And anything that I'm going to do with God, if it's going to be real, it's got to happen from my heart. As a matter, t- matter of fact, many times in the Old Testament, when they talk about the eyes of the Lord, that word for eyes is not talking about a physical eye. It's talking about the capacity to see past the external and look straight into the heart. God is always looking straight into our heart. And I'm telling you something, he wants a heart-to-heart connection where there is nothing but deep, passionate love, you know, between us. So one of the most interesting factors uh, about a heart relationship or what God's calling us to falls under this principle that says many are called and few are chosen. You know, God offers a heart-to-heart 
intimate relationship with every single person alive, but the truth is very few people actually choose and pursue it. You know, Second Chronicles 16, 9 is as true today as ever was. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth. He's seeking to show himself strong in behalf of someone whose heart is fully committed to him. God's a heart God. God wants relationships with people. God wants to be connected with us heart to heart. Now, in the Bible, the two models that show us the most about relating to God are marriage and fatherhood. You know, no wonder that the Luciferian element in the world attacks the family more than anything else. Because when we lose the biblical concept of marriage and when we lose the biblical concept of fatherhood or pervert it and twist it into something else, then we've lost one of the primary ways we can understand our relationship with God. Well, the Bible calls us the bride of Christ in the book of Ephesians and makes reference to us being his bride in other places. And as the bride of Christ, this means that when we come to Jesus, what what we're really doing is we're getting married. And it's is following the pattern that was used in the Scripture. Now, when Jesus would talk about these things and use these examples, everybody knew what he was talking about because, because it was their culture. Well, you know, today, uh, people don't even understand the basics of marriage, the basics of love, the basics of parenting and being a father. Uh, so so it's, it's hard to use these analogies or these models and, and talk to people about who God is and what our relationship looks like. But I want you to understand something. And in, in God pursuing, and I want you to realize He is pursuing you for a heart-to-heart relationship. And in this relationship, what happens is, you know, when, when, when we come to Him, when we come to Jesus, we, we have heard the gospel, we've heard the good news. In other words, this looks attractive to us. It's like it's like when a, a young man and young woman see each other and they're attracted to each other. This looks desirable. And so when we come to Jesus, what we're really doing is we are we are getting betrothed. Now some people would equal betrothal to engagement and there are some similarities, but there are actually very few. You know, in betrothal in in Jesus' time, this is where people became legally married but they did not have sex. They did not have sexual intimacy. And there's a reason for this. You you know, stop and think. See, we think that all of those marriages that were arranged were loveless marriages. And honestly, probably up in the Middle Ages and particularly between royal families, they probably pretty much were uh, that way. And if you had a greedy parent, yes, they they could really be a mess. But, you know, a father would pick out a, 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 or, or would have to agree to or maybe even pick out a young man that he wanted to be married to his daughter because he knew the family. He knew the young man, knew the family reputation. He knew he would be good to his daughter. But yet, that father didn't want them in a loveless relationship. Now, I want to tell you something. God does not want us in a loving relation, I mean, in a loveless relationship. So in the betrothal, when, when they came together and they made their vows, they made their commitments, and, and like I said, they, they couldn't have sex until after there was a marriage feast and there was a consummation, and that could take place a year or two later. 
So you say, well, well, what's the point of them getting married? The point of them getting married is after commitment has made, after the decision and has been made, now they spend this time not having sex and trying to have a physical relationship with, with one another first, but they spend time getting to know each other. They spend time talking. They spend time uh, uh, learning about each other. They, they, they start growing in trust. They start developing their communication skills. And as they do this, then they start opening up their heart to each other. And the idea is, is that through this getting to know each other, they, they learn how to communicate. They start trusting each other. And ultimately, they fall in love so that a year or two years later, when it's time for them to consummate their marriage, this is why the Bible used the term that so-and-so knew his wife, because this is a knowing. This is not just having sex. This is not just just meeting somebody and seeing if you're if you think you're going to be compatible physically. This is somebody that that the great motivation in wanting to be intimate with them is because you know them, you value them, they are special to you. And that's that's what we're supposed to be doing here on planet Earth before we go meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, what's really interesting about this is that that, uh, we, we, in in this opportunity to get to know each other, one of the things that would happen, and, and you've heard me talk about this before, they would have a prearranged signal uh, that would be the blowing of a horn, and it would have. To, I'm assuming it would have to be prearranged because uh, uh, otherwise you wouldn't know if it was if you were the bride, you wouldn't know if it was your groom signaling for you to come out or, or whose. And so, when you know the the uh, the groom would be preparing a place for the bride under the father's supervision, and and when the father felt like the place was nice enough, and the father felt like that this was a, a desirable place that it would show love and an expression of security and everything for this young bride, then the father would say to his son, "You can go get her now." Now keep in mind this is what Jesus was talking about when he says. In my father's house, there's many mansions, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. They understood what he was talking about, and so, so, so the the groom is wooing the bride, and they're getting to know each other. They're making themselves desirable to each other. They are falling in love with each other, and so at. at at whatever time, and you know, I'm assuming some things here based on what little I know about the Hebrew culture. But number one, the father had to approve of the dwelling that they were going to live in. And, and I'm assuming that the groom would want to make sure that this young bride would love him deeply enough that whenever he came and called for her, she would want to be with him. Now, now stop and think about it. This bride is living in her father's house. All of her needs are taken care of and she's safe and she's secure and she's not afraid. And, and so really it would be, it would take something to draw her away from her father's house to go assume the responsibilities of marriage and starting to raise her own family and her own children and this sort of thing. So when the, when the groomsman came, which is a type of the angels that will sound the, tr- the, the last trumpet, when, when the groomsman came and sounded the trumpet or the shofar, 
This was this bride's last right of refusal. In other words, if that, if that groom had not done a incredible job of wooing her and drawing him, uh, uh, drawing her into this relationship with him, then he, he could go out there and blow his horn. She might not go. Now, they would have to legally get a divorce. It would be a terribly upsetting thing, but she could have refused. And, and, and if her heart had not been won, then she might not leave her father's house. But if her heart was won, if, if she had been won over, if she's fallen in love with him, then the truth is, Man, every night she's hoping this is the night that I'm going to hear the trumpet sound. This is the night when I'm leaving my father's house. This is the night that I'm going up. Because see, the groomsmen, they didn't come into the bride's home. They came out to the outskirts of the city. So one of the things that she had to have, she had to have a lamp with oil in it. Now, there's a lot of typology in the oil. The oil is the Holy Spirit. We understand that. But I'll tell you something. When Jesus gave this parable of the five wise and five foolish virgins, they understood because the, the, the virgin that was wise, you know, the fact that they're all virgins represents that they're all believers. And the ones that were wise and also because they loved and wanted to be with their husband. In other words, they wanted to be with him more than they wanted to be where they were, more than the security that they had, more than the provisions that they had, more than anything else. They wanted to be with him. So the one thing that they would have to do is they would have to have a lamp that was ready so to guide their footsteps along the path to go out and meet their groom. And if their, if their lamp didn't have oil in it, then the truth is they were not looking in anticipation for the return of their groom. I want to tell you something. That is a picture of us with Jesus. You know, if, if right now you heard the last trumpet and you knew in your heart it was time to leave planet Earth, would you be ready to go? Would you want to be with Jesus more than you want to be here, more than, more than you want to be with anybody here? Would you be ready to go? Well, see, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be getting to know him to such a degree that we fall in love with him. Now, th- this is this is kind of a, a, the broad picture of this, of this type of the bride of Christ. But now keep in mind, we are all the bride of Christ. Every believer is the bride of Christ. I'm not saying that every lost person is the bride of Christ. Every believer is the bride of Christ. But when I come back in just a minute, uh, we're going to share something that you may have never realized because, see, there's more than one word for wife in the Hebrew language, and we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about what this means to us. You know, this, this incredible series, imperfect people are with perfect lives or just imperfect people, perfect lives. I, I'm telling you, this is about intimacy with God. This, this isn't just about getting over problems. This is about the kind of intimacy with God, the kind of love life with God, how to build that kind of love life so that we are compelled, we're drawn to get up when we fall. We're drawn to stand up, you know, when we're struggling. We're drawn to, to, to come out of sin when we've been sucked into it. We are drawn back into this relationship with God, into this intimacy with God. I'm going to tell you, this is about 10 hours of teaching that I mean is going to be phenomenal. It's going to make your heart explode with the desire to be in this loving, intimate relationship with God. So be sure if you're, if you're watching, you can click right now 
and you can you can go straight to my website and you can check this out. If if you're not watching on YouTube, then you go to my website impactministries.com and check it out. I'm going to tell you something. You can get this thing downloaded and you can be diving into the depths of all of this tonight because th this is something for people who are serious about God, people who want to be desperately in love with God, people who have been praying to connect to the intimacy of God. This is for you. And listen, don't forget, be sure and like this broadcast. When you like this broadcast, you're going to cause thousands of people all over the world to see this and hear this and have the opportunity to hear these same great messages that you get to hear every single week. So let's jump, jump back into this now. All right. So we come to Jesus and, and we get betrothed. And that's at the new birth. And let me explain this to you. You know, the, the concept of the new birth, and I've heard a lot of people critical of the new birth, try to minimize the concept of the new birth. But again, we just don't understand the cultural meaning of this uh, or, and what Jesus was implying. You know, in a, in a marriage uh, in the Hebrew world, when a, when a man and a woman would come together, and they would make these vows to one another. They would, they would stand under, I call it a tent. And the reason I'm calling it a tent is because I would probably mispronounce the Hebrew word for it. But if you've ever been to a Jewish wedding, then, then you've seen it's a, usually it's white and, uh, and the bride and the groom step under this little tent, uh, either after the vows are made or sometimes during the vows being made. And so, so when they take their vows, when the commitment has been made, then uh, you present them to the world as a new entity. And in the Hebrew concept, this was being born again. This was joining yourself to someone else. You get a, you know, you take on a new name, you take on a new identity, you become one with somebody else. So the two of you are being introduced or stepping out into the world as a brand new being. And so the concept of being born again was, was actually very common in Jesus' day. And Nicodemus, you know, he was wanting to know the spiritual understanding when he asked, well, how can a man be born again when he's old? He, because he understood that Jesus was talking about more than just what happened at a wedding. Well, I want to tell you something. Uh, that typology, that's what happens to us. We are betrothed. We become one with Jesus. Uh, to, you know, we unite with him. We've made commitments to each other. And now when we step out into the world, we're leaving our father's house behind. You know, it says, it says we shall leave our father and mother. We don't cling to anything behind us. We let go of everything behind us and we step out into the world as a brand new entity. And that's what it means to be born again because we just got married, just got a new name. Nobody else knows except Jesus. Well, when we, when we step into this, into this wedding, into this marriage, um, now suddenly we have the opportunity to turn that marriage into a loveless uh, contract where two people just coexist. Or we have the opportunity to turn this into something that's passionate, to turn this into something that's love-filled, to turn this into something that's more intimate and more romantic than, than, than we ever imagined. But again, God is always offering that kind of a relationship to all of us, but that doesn't mean that, that we're accepting it. Now, <clears throat> as the bride of Christ, we become the wife and keep in mind, in those days, they might have several wives. 
And so we become the wife that, that has come into this arrangement. And uh, because we're married, yes, the groom loves us. Yes, uh, we're going to live in his house. Yes, he's going to take care of us. Yes, he's going to provide for us. And, and yes, there's going to be some levels of intimacy. But there's another word for bride that refers to that person that, that, that we are going to be more intimate with than anybody else. That person that, that gives us back the same kind of love that we give to them. And see, that's what the Bible means in the New Testament. When you talk, see about, about, uh, uh, the love of God being completed or being perfected, that's what God wants is a relationship where, where He gives us love. We experience it and we fall in love and give it back to him. And so you can be the bride of Christ in a very general sense with a, with a lot of very general benefits. But I will tell you something. You won't be the one who hears the voice of God whisper in your heart and tell you things that are just beyond what you can know. You will not be the one that will have what, what in the Hebrew kind of speaks to the idea of private Revelation. Now, don't don't go all crazy on me over private revelation. You know, there's a lot of people today that think they're getting revelations from God that supersede the Bible, that are equal to the Bible, or that's showing them things that are that's not in the Bible. I want you to understand that is never the Holy Spirit. That is never God. If that's happening to you, I know you're probably mad at me right now. You're ready to turn off. Stop, 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 stop. If that's happening to you, that's what the book of Peter calls private interpretation, where you are making the scripture. You're having these experiences to make the word of God fit you and fit your life and fit your needs and fit your desires. Now, the, in the New Testament, we have this, this concept of revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge uh, in the in the Hebrew would have been the revealed knowledge of God. When we see revelation knowledge, we get the idea of it something mystical, something far out, and boy, you got to have a woo woo kind of kind of experience in order to get it. But that's really not what it's talking about. Revelation knowledge, the revelation knowledge of God, is the revealed knowledge of God. Now, the revealed knowledge of God, we have the Word of God. We have the names of God whereby we interpret the word of God. We've got all kinds of things about the feasts and the festivals as we reveal about the first and second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got all kinds of ways that we see everything that we call the New Testament in the revealed, in the revealed knowledge of God. And then ultimately in Jesus' life and teaching, the way he treated people, the way he talked to people, his death, burial, and resurrection, we have the ultimate revelation of God. And I tell you, if you've never listened to my series on the ultimate revelation of God, I really encourage it. It will end all the confusion in your life. But anyhow, back to, back to this. So as the bride of Christ, we all have the revealed knowledge of God. We all have the opportunity to discover God. We all have the opportunity to know everything about God that we're going to need to know. And, and in that, there's going to be some levels of intimacy. But you know something? If you're that bride that says, you know what, that's great, but I'm telling you, I, I, want, I want to make God feel loved. You see, if God can touch my heart, I can touch his heart because we're created in the likeness and image of God. Likewise, if, if something can break my heart, then something can break God's heart. That person that says, you know what, I don't want to just be a bride that has an arrangement 
And yes, I live in your house. Yes, I'm protected. And yes, you're glad I'm here. Yes, there are benefits. But man, see, for me, and this is for me personally, see, I don't want to be in a relationship that I wouldn't be willing to die for. And I don't want to be in a relationship with anybody that wouldn't die for me. You say, man, that's pretty extreme. Yes, it is pretty extreme. But you know what? I live a passionate life. I, I'm, I'm serious about, I'm, about what I'm doing with my life. Don't have any, I don't have any time for a relationship that I wouldn't die for. Well, you know something? That's what God says. He says, I'm, I want a relationship that I'd die for. Well, he couldn't die. But I'll tell you what he did do. He sent Jesus and Jesus died. Jesus paid that ultimate price. He's just saying, look, I want I I want to move I want to take the revealed knowledge that you have and I want to manifest that in my life in your life. Actually in John 15, he says that. He said, Listen, if you love me and if you keep my word, he says, I'm gonna to come to you and I'm gonna manifest myself to you. Listen, that is talking about in this intimacy, because you want to hear from him, because you want to be connected with him at that level, because that's, that's how you want to, that's how you want to walk with God in that intimacy. You're talking about God manifesting himself, not telling you something that's not in the Bible, because the secret is, let me show you what's happening in your life. Now, let me show you how to apply the revealed knowledge of God to your life. Let me show you how to walk in, in, in the Word. Let me show you how this can work. And I'll tell you, God can breathe more into your heart in a second than, than, than any, any Bible teacher can ever teach you in a lifetime. And you see, that's the thing. This secret knowledge of God, sometimes it comes through times of prayer and fasting and seeking God. But I'll tell you what, sometimes it just comes of just a one voice, a one sense, a one knowing of exactly what you need to do in a situation. I'll tell you something. That's the revealed knowledge of God. You know something? <clears throat> this relationship with Jesus is going to go any way you want it to go. And it's, it, it can be full of passion, it can be full of intimacy, or it can just be something that uh, you're passing time till you get to heaven. Well, I want to tell you, I hope that you're going to believe what Jesus said. He said, look, if you, if, if you keep my commandments and you love me, if you don't, then it's obvious you don't. He says, but if you do, he says, me and the Father are going to come and we're going to make our home with you. He says, if you do then you're going to be able to receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit whenever you're facing situations. If you do these words, I can bring them back to your memory whenever you're facing challenges. If you do, I can strengthen you with grace in your inner man. And I'm going to tell you something. What so many people miss, see grace, God's power, God's strength, God's capacity, God's ability, it doesn't come to you because you have theology about grace, because you've read about grace, because you can talk about grace, because you got, you know, you got a definition of grace. The grace, the power of God comes to you in that intimate exchange where you are one-on-one -on -one with Jesus and he's speaking right into your heart. Listen, be sure and join me September 24th and 25th in Blue Springs, Missouri. We're going to be talking about connecting to the life of God. And don't forget October Heart Physics Weekend here in Huntsville, October the 20th and 22nd and October 27th through the 29th, Victoria, BC. We're going to have a leadership that builds people. Man, get on my website. Check this stuff out. We've got things going on here in Huntsville. We've got things going on every week in this in, in our Cyber Church broadcast. We've got things going on online. We've got stuff happening 
happening everywhere. And listen, download my mobile app. If you want to get a, a daily encouragement from me, if you want to get all kinds of tools and resources right at your fingertips, download my mobile app and get your whole family to download it so they can be listening to these messages every week. Listen, right when this goes off, I want you to take 10 seconds and subscribe to my YouTube channel if you're watching by YouTube. God bless you. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.